Hi, welcome to the second part of This Week in Tudor History for the week beginning the 1st of March. Today, I'm going to be introducing you to a mathematician and inventor. I'm going to be telling you about Thomas Risley, spelt Ryothesley, the man known as Call Me Risley in Hilary Mantel's novels, and a bishop's nephew who was executed as a scapegoat. So let's start with the 5th of March. On the 5th of March, 1575, in the reign of Queen Elizabeth I, mathematician William Uttred was baptised at Eton College, where his father, Benjamin, was registrar and writing master. Uttred is responsible for developing a straight slide rule, a gauging rod and several sundials. He also introduced the X or time symbol for multiplication and the abbreviation sin or sine and cos for the sine and cosine functions. But let me tell you a bit more about him. Uttred was educated at Eton as a King's Scholar before moving to King's College, Cambridge in 1592. He attained his BA in 1596 and his MA in 1600. As well as a mathematician, Uttred was a clergyman being ordained in 1603. He became vicar of Shalford in Surrey in 1605 and in 1610 he became rector of Albury, serving in that position until his death in 1660. In February 1606, Uttred married Christ's Gift Carol, I do love that name, Christ's Gift, in her home parish of Tangley in Surrey. The couple went on to have 12 or 13 children, the records differ. As well as his church work, Uttred tutored maths locally, and in 1628 he was employed in the household of Thomas Howard, 2nd Earl of Arundel, and taught his second surviving son, William, compiling a mathematical textbook for him in 1631. Its Latin title is rather long, but it's commonly known as his Clavis or Clavis Math- Mathematicae. It was used by many mathematicians, scholars and teachers as a teaching text. While working in Thomas Howard's household in London, Uttred came to know other mathematicians in the city, along with instrument makers such as Elias Allen, who made instruments according to Uttred's designs, such as the Circles of Proportion, a slide rule, which, according to historian Francis Wilmoth, allowed problems of multiplication and division to be reduced to addition and subtraction by the use of logarithms. He published an account of this device, the circles of proportion and the horizontal instrument and invented, and the uses of both written in Latin. The horizontal instrument in the title referred to an instrument on the back of the circles of proportion, which Wilmoth describes as a tool for demonstrating astronomical principles and for laying out sundials on any kind of plane. In 1636, in his The Description and Use of the Double Horizontal Dial, Uttred adapted the horizontal instrument to make a garden sundial. 
Uhtred fell out with a former pupil, Richard Delamain, after Delamain published on the slide rule and horizontal instrument, claiming he'd invented them. Uhtred went as far as publishing an attack on Delamain, the circles of proportion to the English gentry and the just apology of William Uttred against the slanderous insimulations of Richard Delamain. I do love Tudor titles. Uttred's other inventions included another sundial and probably the universal equinoxial ring dial, a gauging rod and a straight slide rule. His other written works include the 1651 The Solution of All Spherical Triangles, the 1657 Trigonometria, and a collection of treatises published after his death as Opuscula Mathematica. As well as mathematics, Uttred was interested in astronomy, astrology, and alchemy. Uttred died on the 13th of June 1660 and was buried at Old St. Peter and St. Paul's Church in Albury on the 15th of June. His estate was granted to his son, Henry, the following year. Uttred's daughter, Elizabeth, married Christopher Brooks, who edited her father's 1651 work, The Solution of All Spherical Triangles, while two of his sons became watchmakers. And a bit of trivia for you. The American Uttred Society, which was founded in 1991 and which describes itself as a group of slide rule collectors dedicated to the preservation and history of slide rules and other calculating instruments, takes its name from William Uttred. I'll give you a link to their website in the description for this video. Moving on to the 6th of March. On the 6th of March, 1547, in the reign of King Edward VI, former Lord Chancellor to Henry VIII, Thomas Risley, 1st Earl of Southampton, lost the great seal of his Lord Chancellorship and was confined to his home at Ely Place for abusing his authority. Risley was found guilty of issuing a commission without the knowledge or permission of the other executors of Henry VIII's will, but it was probably more to do with his opposition to Edward Seymour, Duke of Somerset, becoming Lord Protector. Risley had been appointed as an executor of Henry VIII's will and chosen by the king to serve on a regency council for the new nine-year-old king until he reached his majority. However, Henry VIII's wishes for a regency council of equals were ignored as Edward Seymour took control of Edward's council as Lord Protector. Risley was later readmitted to the Privy Council, a position he'd also lost at his fall. Let me give you a few facts about Risley. Thomas Risley was born on the 21st of December 1505 and was the eldest son of William Risley, York Herald, and his wife, Agnes Drayton. Risley was the cousin of Windsor Herald and chronicler Charles Risley. I do love Charles Risley's chronicle. Risley was educated at St Paul's School in London and Trinity Hall, Cambridge. He was known for his good looks, which were praised by his friend antiquary John Leyland. Risley began his career at the Royal Court when he was 19, in 1524, when he began working for Thomas Cromwell. He went on to serve as clerk to Edmund Peckham, cofferer of the household. And then in 1530, he served as a messenger to Henry VIII, 
and then joint clerk of the Signet, working for Stephen Gardner, administrator and Bishop of Winchester. In 1532, he was sent on missions to Brussels and Marseille. In the 1530s, he rose to chief clerk of the Signet and worked as private secretary to Thomas Cromwell. In the early 1530s, he married Jane Cheney, daughter of William Cheney, whose half-brother was Germain Gardner, nephew and private secretary of Stephen Gardner. They had five daughters and three sons together. Out of their sons, only one, Henry, survived childhood. In 1534, Risley was admitted to Gray's Inn, one of London's inns of the court. In 1536, he was made engraver of the Tower Mint and joint constable of Donington Castle. And he attended on King Henry VIII while the king was dealing with the pilgrimage of Grace Rebellion. Risley was rewarded for his service during the dissolution of the monasteries with former religious houses, properties and lands that spanned eight counties, as well as grants and other properties. One of the former monastic estates was that of Titchfield Abbey, which Risley made his seat. In 1538, Risley was sent to the Low Countries to negotiate a match between Henry VIII and the Duchess of Milan, and the king's eldest daughter, Mary, and Don Luis of Portugal. He also served as a justice of the peace for Hampshire that year, and in 1539 and 1542, he was a member of parliament for Hampshire. With Rafe Sadler, he became joint private secretary to the king in April 1540, and he was involved in the proceedings regarding the annulment of the king's marriage to Anne of Cleves, giving evidence of the king's distaste for his fourth wife. He was also one of those sent to Anne to obtain her agreement to the annulment. That same year, Risley was also made a privy councillor and knighted. Risley was examined when Thomas Cromwell fell from power in the summer of 1540, but survived accusations of slandering the king, accusations that were eventually deemed malicious. At the fall of Henry VIII's fifth wife, Catherine Howard, in 1541, Risley was one of those sent to search the Dowager Duchess of Norfolk's home, as well as examining Henry Mannox and Francis Derham, and informing the Queen that accusations had been made against her and that her household was being discharged. In 1541, Risley was also made Constable of Southampton Castle, Christ Church Castle, and then in 1542 of Porchester Castle. In 1542, he was also granted lands that had belonged to the fallen Margaret Pole, Countess of Salisbury. In 1543, Risley was made Joint Chamberlain of the Exchequer and he worked with the bishops of Westminster and Winchester to negotiate an Anglo-Habsburg alliance with Imperial Ambassador Eustace Chapuis and then a further alliance with the Emperor against France. The following year, he helped negotiate a treaty with the Earl of Lennox and then was a member of Queen Catherine Parr's Regency Council while the king was campaigning in France. In 1544, following the death of Lord Chancellor Audley, Risley was appointed in his place. In Henry VIII's final years, Risley was well-trusted and high in favour, with Chapuis describing him as one of the two people who enjoy nowadays most authority and have the most influence and credit with the king. 
Between 1544 and 1546, his rewards included 40 monastic manors. On the 1st of January 1544, Risley was made Baron Risley of Titchfield, and in 1545, he was elevated to the Order of the Garter. In 1545, the king also stood as godfather to Risley's infant son, Henry. Risley worked with Stephen Gardner, Edmund Bonner and Richard Rich in the king's final years against religious reform and in 1546 offended the king when he arrested a member of his privy chamber, George Blagg or Blage, who was sentenced to burning for his reformed faith. The king ordered Risley to draw up a pardon for the man. He was also involved in the case of famous Protestant martyr Anne Askew, examining her and being involved with Richard Rich in her racking. However, he was also active in working against Catholics, punishing one for allegedly faking a miracle. In 1546, Risley was involved with Bishop Gardner in the plot against Queen Catherine Parr and suffered the king's wrath when he was one of those who attempted to arrest her. In the king's dying days, Risley arrested Henry Howard, Earl of Surrey, and sat on the commission that tried him and sentenced him to death. In January 1547, as Lord Chancellor, he proclaimed the king's death to Parliament, and on the 16th of February 1547, he was created Earl of Southampton. He bore the sword of state at Edward VI's coronation, but then fell from power losing the Great Seal on the 6th of March. His fall allowed Edward Seymour to become leader of the King's government. He was released from house arrest in June 1547 and was back on the council by the beginning of 1549. Although he viewed Somerset as his enemy, he did not get involved in Thomas Seymour's scheming against his brother and was one of those who interrogated him following his arrest in 1549. After Somerset's fall, Risley did rise in favour, but his Catholic conservatism prevented a good relationship with John Dudley, who succeeded Somerset. In early 1550, Risley and his conservative colleague, the Earl of Arundel, were expelled from court and put under house arrest. At this time, Risley began suffering with ill health and he died at Lincoln House, his London residence, on the 30th of July, 1550. He was buried first in London, but then moved to Titchfield. Risley, as I've said, is known as Call Me Risley in Hilary Mantel's Wolf Hall series. Moving on to the 7th of March, and this actually concerns a man that I've just mentioned in my bit on Risley. Jermaine Gardner, nephew of Stephen Gardner. On the 7th of March, 1544, in the reign of King Henry VIII, Jermaine or German Gardner and priest John Lark were executed for denying the royal supremacy. Jermaine was also accused of contact with Cardinal Reginald Pole, who'd incurred the king's anger after his opposition to his great matter. They were hanged, drawn and quartered at Tyburn. Writer John Hayward had also been condemned, but he saved himself by recanting. Germain had been in trouble in 1543 when he was implicated in the prebendary's plot against Archbishop Thomas Cranmer. 
In his biography of Thomas Cramner, Dermot McCulloch explains that the guilt of Cramner's enemies was diverted to two scapegoats in the second rank. Dr John London, who died while imprisoned in the fleet, accused of perjury, and Germain, whose uncle was one of those who tried to bring the Archbishop down. Bishop Gardner was devastated by the death of his nephew and secretary. Well, that's it for this week in Tudor history. As always, it's been a rather eventful week. I do hope you've enjoyed this. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I do hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to subscribe so that you can enjoy podcasts on a daily basis. Thank you.